Welcome back to Real Early. My name is Larry Sternschein, and today's episode asks the question, how do you get into foreign action cinema? To get to the bottom of this question, I had on film critic, writer, and foreign action cinema fan Matt Essery for this week's episode. Matt is a film critic and writer out of Nashville, Tennessee. You can find his work on Anacool News, Screen Anarchy, The Action Elite, and various other film sites. You can also listen to him on his own podcast, Video Culture. I was excited to talk to Matt because we have a lot in common due to our shared love of Hong Kong action cinema. I discovered my favorite action director, John Woo, when I saw the box art for the killer promising One Fish's Hitman, One Fierce Cop, 10,000 Bullets. I was instantly mesmerized by the incredible action that I had to get my hands on as much Hong Kong cinema as possible. While my Hong Kong cinema education was discovered through the internet, Matt formed a friendship that taught him about this great cinema but also the importance of giving back that knowledge to other budding film fans. While the conversation is mostly lighthearted, we do talk about drug addiction in this episode. If you or anybody you know is dealing with addiction, I urge you to call the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration toll-free hotline at 1-800-662-HELP. That's 1-800-662-4357. This is a toll-free number that's available 24-7. I'll also list the phone number and website information in the show notes. Without further wait, please enjoy this conversation with Matt Essery. This is my first time recording on Zoom. (laughs) Everything's an adventure, my friend. Everything's an adventure. (laughs) So, uh, Matt, how are you doing? I'm doing good. How about yourself? I'm fine. So, I'm very lucky to be here to talk to the pope of action twitter that's what they call me i'm not sure why i'm not i've never been quite sure how why exactly that stuck or, or why they insisted i take that moniker it was not my idea but but yes they call me the pope of action twitter for some reason so my first question then would be why action movies what is it about action movies that you are so passionate about um well this is going to get a little personal um, because I, I no one's ever really asked that before. So that's a, that's a it's a great question, and I'm gonna I'm gonna reveal a little bit about myself. I mean, it's obvious if you if you if you think about it for a moment, but I've never expressly really talked about it outside of my own podcast. But uh, but I'm disabled. Um, I, I use a wheelchair to get around. I, I I can walk, but with crutches, and that's very tiring. So use most of the time I use a wheelchair to get around. Hence the Twitter handle of Wheels Critic. So I've always been fascinated by people's physical abilities to do things I can't do. Uh, so, and, uh, and action movies um, really tap into that because if you, if you look at it from like a, from just a very analytical or even philosophical philosophy perspective, uh, a philosophical perspective, that's the word I was looking for. Um, um, if you look at it from that perspective, it's, uh, it's really about capturing bodies in motion. Uh, Action sequences, fight sequences are much like dance sequences. It's about capturing beautiful motion on film, rhythms and mm-hmm. and graceful movements. And uh, I find that strangely fascinating. And it also plays into something I, I've loved since I was a kid, which was comic books. Uh, I grew up reading like Batman, Spider-Man, all, you know, all those like standard comics. And, and, that kind of, and those two things together just that's why I sort of fell in love with action movies once I discovered film 
Um, sure. Because it, it plays into both those things because I'm fascinated by the idea of, of stories of, of great people, of, of great people doing great things. Um, there's this old saying that we tell, that we tell stories of great men to remind ourselves that we too can be great. And I think mm. of that all the time when I watch action films, because people often say action films, and I've even, I've even said this myself, people often say action films are, are fascist power fantasies. It's about, you know, might and makes right. But really the best action movies are about, are about people using their, 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 their might to stand up for the little guy, mm-hmm. to defend, to defend, to, to help the helpless and, and defend the defenseless. Um, that's, that's all the Van Damme movies. That's like all the Michael J. White movies. That's, that's the Scott Adkins movies. That's the Arnold movies most of the time. Um, sure. It's about, you know, reminding yourself that, that we have it within us to, to, to do the right thing. And uh, that's very, it's a very kind of hokey way to look at it, but uh, it resonates with me emotionally. The sure. idea that, you know, you know, it's t- t- tales of, of great men doing great things, basically. So have you always been in a wheelchair or is that sort of something that happened a little bit later? I, I was I, I was born this way. I've got a very slight form of cerebral palsy. Mm-hmm. Uh, it basically uh, just affects my ability to walk. Um, and uh, like I said, I, I basically can't stand in balance on my own at all. So uh, again, not to get too far into the weeds on that, but yeah, I've been this way my entire life. And uh, it always surprises people. When I, when I was a kid, people used to always assume I'd been in a car wreck because I couldn't fathom that, uh, that I was, that I would had been a lifelong disabled, a disabled person because in their mind, when they think disabled person who's been, who's lifelong disabled, they think of someone who is, who is much more cognitively not expressive or not quite there. The, people have a lot of negative connotations when they think of lifelong disability. Sure. Yeah. And, and I, and I don't really tie into a lot of those. So it always kind of threw people off when I was a kid. They used to, they had they wanted to believe I was in some sort of accident or I was somehow going to get better, but I mean it's it's just just my life, man. Like it's it's my existence. Like uh, I'll tell I'll tell you one little funny funny thing. One time when I was in in grade school, mm-hmm. a kid asked me. He says he said or he said to me, I don't know how you sit down all the time. Matt. Doesn't that get boring? And I remember thinking, and I said to him without even thinking about it, I said, Well, well, how is it that you stand all the time? Don't your legs get tired? Because I, I, to, 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 to him, the idea of, of sitting all the time was so foreign. But to me, the idea of standing all day or standing in line, that's as alien to me as the, the idea of like flying. Like I can't process how someone does that. Sure. Yeah. Just, I can totally see that. Because it's just not my existence. Yeah. It's, it's, not ever, it's not ever been my reality. I've got no frame of reference for it. So you you've, were in the you know the 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 chair since you were you're a kid and then you happen to get into comic books and you see like what like the human body can do and i was wondering um how how much was getting into comic books also related to uh how your how your parents were uh with you growing up is there a correlation between the two yes i've got very loving and supportive parents i'm very lucky in that respect my parents never treated me any differently because I was disabled. They always insisted that I, I learned to take care of myself and I learned to, I learned to live with, with, with what I've been, with the cards I've been dealt. But they were also very supportive and very helpful. And they also encouraged whatever I was into because they knew that I couldn't go play baseball 
or play football or any of that kind of stuff. So when I got into comic books as a kid or when I got into art as, as, a, as a child, um, they, they, they would take me to comic book shops. Like I lived in a small town in Mississippi and there weren't any comic book stores, but they would drive me 90 minutes to go to Memphis, Tennessee, because there were several comic book stores there. They would do that once a month and just take me to two or three comic book shops so I could buy comics and, and that would be my reading for the month. And mm -hmm. uh, they were just incredibly supportive of that. And uh, so I, they were always that way. I mean, even to this day, like they, uh, they, they read all the stuff I write on, on these different websites and they, they constantly ask me how it's going. And, and they're still, I mean, in my, I'm in my early forties now. And my parents are still my biggest cheerleaders. Like I still get calls from them saying, Hey, I saw your latest article. It's really great. You know, or yeah. Like That's my mom, fantastic. yeah, my, my mom who's retired, uh, asked me if she asked me if she if she could buy me anything to help facilitate facilitate my writing career, and I had to you know sweetly explain to her I was like, no, mom, I've I've got everything I need. I can I can pay for all this stuff myself. <laughs> I've I've had a job for many many years, and uh, but but they just never quite quite get out of that mindset of wanting to support and uh, encourage. Sure, um, that's great. And that definitely leads into, into the movie stuff, too, because both my parents liked film a lot growing up. Like, my, my parents were both movie, were both what you would think of as, like, movie people, but in a casual sort of way. Mm -hmm. Like my parents were like yeah. that, too. Yeah, so, like, my mom was always watching, like, Turner Classic Movies uh, or whatever the channels were back then when we were, when we were younger. I'm having my, my, my memories of that are a little fuzzier, but she was always watching, like, classic movies on TV. Um. I remember like when my dad, when v, when VCRs were new, I remember my dad going to the video shop and renting a VCR. That's how old this story is. Actually renting a VCR and renting uh, two movies. He rented Ghostbusters, which had just come out on VHS and uh, the, the Terminator. So he could watch the Terminator after we all went to bed. <laughs> and so the, the first movie I ever saw on videotape was Ghostbusters. And uh, we saw it on a rented VCR. And I remember sneaking out of bed as a kid and in sneaking into the living room and seeing my dad watching the Terminator and and seeing the scene of Arnold to, where he's doing like the self surgery where and where he cuts out his own eye. Oh, <laughs> that that must like, have been a little traumatizing. It was. It was. It was. It was. It was uh, horrifying. It's like, and I was. I was like maybe maybe six years old. Um, and yeah, it, it scared the crap out of me. Um, but, but uh, you know, we very quickly, my parents very quickly bought a VCR after that, and, uh, and they would always be renting movies. Um, even though I grew up in a pretty small town called Tupelo, Mississippi, uh, which your listeners may know as the birthplace of Elvis Presley, because again, it's, it's fairly close to Memphis, but it's a, it's a bit of a tourist destination because his birthplace is in that little town. You know what, actually, what Tupelo reminds me of is the, uh, the Tupelo concession stand brawl. Yeah, Jerry and, uh, Lawler, yeah. Jerry Lawler, and the Moon Dogs. Yeah, I yeah, know all about that. Yeah, that's how I think of them. It it, it weirdly <laughs> comes up a lot in pop culture, believe it or not. Like uh, like for your Simpsons fans out there, that's Krusty like Krusty the Clown and Simpsons got his big break in Tupelo, Mississippi. That's actually a reference in the show. Like and, and Tupelo pops up a lot in pop culture. I think because of the Elvis birthplace yeah, thing, be. and because Tupelo is such a fun word to say. <laughs> um. It just sounds very unique, and there's not there's not many others in, in in America. I'm not even sure if there is another one in America, but uh, I'm not even sure I could name another Mississippi town. Well, you've point. got you've got Biloxi, right? Biloxi Blues. Yeah, so, yeah. That shows you how bad my uh, 
<laughs> geography is right now where I cannot remember cities in Mississippi. Uh, well, trust me, you're not missing anything. Uh, there's a reason. <laughs> there's a reason I I now live in Nashville. Uh, but uh, but anyway, so I grew up in this. I grew up in this small town, and weirdly, we we had a lot of video stores. Um, like I've mentioned this on other podcasts, but I've never really gotten into as much detail about about it as here. But um, when where where I grew up, there were probably eight video stores at the, at the height of everything. And it, and it, they, they were, they were so, there were so many that there was even one entire street in my hometown that had like four of them on one street. And the street wow. was little, was literally called video row. Like that was, that was literally the name of the street. <laughs> that's so, that's crazy. Cause how do, how do they compete with each other like that? I, like, I, I don't, I don't, <laughs> I, well, they, they obviously didn't last. So, I mean, eventually Blockbuster yeah. came in and wiped them all out, but, sure. uh, but, um, but it was it was neat at the time because I have very distinct memories of of go of parking in one parking lot with my dad with the idea of we were going to get one particular movie like whatever it was maybe Terminator Two, and uh, going to one video store them not having it uh, then just walking across the street and like zigzagging our way across the, down the street looking through all the different video shops trying to find like one particular movie. And so that's that's how that's how common they were in my hometown, and uh, and that helped because there means there was a lot of variety, and I got to see a lot of things that way. So but, there, was there a lot to do in Mississippi? Uh, no, I know it was it was probably a little bit harder uh, for you growing up uh, for for different reasons, but like having a video store at least gives something to do that's more than just cruising around or you know getting into trouble that i'm sure other kids got into oh well well we definitely did that we mean in in any small town you got to ride around and do nothing yeah you got us you got to loiter in parking lots and and sneak beers and uh and and any kind of weed that you can find uh usually it's just stems and practically dirt but yeah i never never got to do that like in my hometown it was uh, a suburb of chicago and you know there was a lot to do you know so that that whole i watch movies about small towns a lot and i'm just like kind of like oh that sounds really fun but then maybe it, if i lived in that small dumb. town <laughs> yeah no it's 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 just you know it's a, you drive around a lot you get into trouble um i, I was a mall rat kid for a lot of years because uh because because we, we had a, we had the biggest mall in the entire northern part of the state um so, uh, because Tupelo, well, while, while I say it's a small town, it's considered a pretty big place in Mississippi because Mississippi is not known for big urban environments. Mm-hmm. So, where I grew up, even though in but comparison to like Chicago or where I'm at now, Nashville, it's small compared to everything else around it within like a 60 mile radius. Uh, it's pretty big. Um, so, the, the, so, so we had we, we, we had more than one mall, uh, but we had the mall that no one goes to often yeah you know how it goes there's the mall no one goes to anymore and then there's the mall everyone goes to mm-hmm. but when i was a kid i would spend a lot of time with my friends at the at the mall everyone goes to because it and it also had a movie theater attached to it so what would happen was you know when i was before driving age i, I would be dropped off by my mom and i'd meet up with my friends and we would just be mall rats for the day and then go see a movie we'd eat at the food court goof around in the arcade um that kind of thing so that also led to me uh, being a big fan of movies because because that's what I did on Saturdays. Eventually, you see everything that the movie theater is showing that you want to see. So you end up seeing things multiple times. 
so there's probably years like 1993 and 94 and 95 where I saw everything that theater was playing more than once because that's all there was to do. Oh. You know, that kind of thing. Or, or you go like bowling or some those other ridiculous like small town things. Sure. Um, did, you have course, a, did you have a crew that you ran with at the movie oh, theaters? I did. I did. Uh, it actually, t- again, ties into my, uh, my again, my love of movies because, and that gets into more that gets into a whole different story about about my love of Hong Kong movies and Chinese films. Um, when I discovered action films, one of the first action movies I really got into was Hard Target with Jean Claude Van Damme. And as you know, that's an, that's a stellar action film. It's a, it's it's a great calling card for for the Hong Kong director John Woo, who I know that you're personally a huge fan of. Yes, that's true. And I became but I became fascinated with this this whole like crazy style of action i'd never seen before like the two guns and all the explosions and and this crazy violence and my dad had uh, a lot of audiovisual magazines around the house he was a big fan of like sound equipment like he loved like surround sound stuff he was he was an early adopter of like audio geek stuff but in those early magazines they had reviews for laser discs and i remember i would just i was kind of read through them just casually like when i was in the bathroom or whatever just reading these magazines and I remember reading the Laserdisc review of, of Hard Boiled, and they mentioned Hard Target, and that was directed by the same guy, and they talked about what a crazy action movie it was. And um, eventually, uh, it's probably around 96, they actually did open up a comic book shop in my hometown. Um, and that was a place where a lot of people gathered to play like role-playing games and Magic mm-hmm. the Gathering and stuff like that. So I would go there on weekends, again, to have something to do. And I was playing, I remember playing some collectible card game with some guy. And I mentioned that I had seen Hard Boiled. And I, I, and I asked if he'd ever heard of this movie called, I, I said I had seen Hard Target. I asked if he'd, if he'd ever heard of it or if he'd ever heard of something called Hard Boiled, which I read was, read was supposedly this crazy action film that you just got to see. And it was just pure dumb luck. I said, have you ever seen Hard Boiled? The guy who I was playing cards with, his face lit up and he goes, you know, John Woo? And I was like, well, I've seen Hard Target. He's like, but I haven't seen Hard Boy. So he's, he goes, oh, you've got to see Hard Boy. You've got to see Hard Boy. And he started rambling at me, just spouting these names I had never heard of. He started he started saying these like about Chow Yun-Fat and Jet Li and uh, Jackie Chan. And he just, he literally got so excited. It was just basically like, just like, like just really rambling at me. And I was like, I was just kind of being polite and just kind of nodding along. And eventually you could tell he was just like, he's like, uh, you know, I know you don't know what I'm talking about, but look, there's this video store in town over here, over on this other side street called ANC Video. It's run by a Chinese guy. They've got Chinese movies there. They've got horror boiled. Uh, you should go check it out. And, uh, and he goes, and if, and if I see you here next week, I'll have a tape for you of some other movies I'm, that I'm talking about. And like, I had just met this guy. Like it was just some guy I was playing cards with in this, in the back of this, of this comic book shop. So I didn't know this guy from, from adam basically mm-hmm. and i was like and he was he was maybe two years older than me so i was maybe 15 16 he was maybe 17 18 mm-hmm. so like again so it, i was just kind of taking it all in stride thinking maybe i made a new friend maybe this guy was a weirdo i don't know but <laughs> anyway so after that night I, I told my dad i said hey dad let's go check out this other video store over on this other street this guy was telling me about and sure enough, there was a video store over on the over on this other side street called ANC Video, which apparently stood for American and Chinese Video. Okay. Um, 
because uh, Tupelo had a lot of Chinese had a lot of Chinese immigrants for some reason. I don't know why. Uh, I made probably cheap labor at the time. But I, I, I later found out uh, that this video store w was opened up. So basically, these 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 immigrants, these these people who worked in the area, could have a way to basically have have have, have a little bit of home. Like they sold like other like other Chinese oriented things too, not just not just not just movies and stuff like that, but like but like books and things. Right. And um, so we went into the shop, and he and he had like a wall of american films like what you'd expect to see like like popular american movies but then the rest of it was and i and i know you're going to recognize what you're going to recognize this when i say it but he had tons of tai sing vhs tapes ah yes tai sing they, they were like the early major distributor in america for hong kong films mm -hmm, yeah and he he had rows and rows of them <laughs> And uh, I, I walked in, and, and he was just this little Chinese guy. And I said, "Do you have uh, hard boiled?" And he's like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." And he, and he and he goes and grabs me. He goes and grabs a tape, hands it to me, and I and um, and I said, "I say to him, um, okay, uh, does it have subtitles?" And he goes, "Yes, yes, it, it does." And so I rent it and I take it home. I put it in in, in the VHS player and I turn it on. And it does not have subtitles at all. Because <laughs> clearly he just wanted my money. Sure. Uh, which I don't blame him. Sure. He saw some dumb white kid. He's like, why not? Uh, so you, but, you rent Hard Boiled. It has no subtitles. But I have a feeling subtitles isn't going to be an issue watching no, this movie. No, because if, if any movie that you're, <laughs> you're going to watch any movie sight unseen without knowing what's going on, Hard Boiled is the one to do it because it's pretty much wall to wall action. It is the greatest action film ever made, and um, I'm not gonna lie. I watched it because again, this was back in the times of VHS before the internet and before a lot of variety. I watched it three times that weekend, and uh, and so basically, I, I loved it. I was I was all in on it, and uh, so I went back to the comic book store that next weekend to to meet up with that guy, figure out, hang out with him, tell him about my experience watching it, but he wasn't there. And uh, so I was a little disappointed, but then the guy who ran the shop goes, "Hey, your name is Matt, right?" Because again, uh, you know, I obviously stick out. I'm, I'm a guy in a wheelchair. There's not many kids in wheelchairs running around. Sure. Uh, so American and, going into Chinese video stores. Yeah, but so I'm back in the comic book shop, and the guy's like, "Hey, you're Matt, right?" I'm like, "Yeah, my name's Matt." He goes, "Yeah, this other kid named Alan left something for you today. He came by earlier and left this for you." And he goes by under the counter and come, comes back out with a. Uh, with a VHS tape, and it's one of those like hand labeled things. And uh, he hands it to me, he goes, Yeah, this came from Alan. So he said, You know, and it had Alan's phone number on like a sticky note on it. And it was the movies he was talking about. And what it was, it was a tape of three movies it was Tai Chi Master, Jetly's Tai Chi Master, mm -hmm. Jetly's Feng Sayuk, also known as, the, as the, the, the legend or the legend of Feng Sayuk, and Chow Yun Fat's uh, Full Contact by Ringo Long. Mm -hmm. and so I, and I didn't know what any of these movies were I just, I just saw the titles and I didn't know what any of it meant but I remember I took it home uh, that weekend and I wasn't feeling well so I remember taking a bunch of like NyQuil and not being able to sleep and just putting the tape in my, my bedroom VCR and it just starts and I had never seen a wire flu movie I had never, never seen a Jet Li film and you know, all three of those movies have wild visuals in them. Like I mean, it's the Wire Fu, Ringo Lom's Crazy Bullet stuff with mm -hmm. 
Simon Yam and like and, and like butterfly knives flying all, all over the place. And, and, and in my coding affected mind, these are the greatest things I'd ever seen in my life. I was blown away by this. I watched that tape again, again, several times during the week. And, um, and then I went back the next week and he, and my, my friend was there. We talked about it. He was telling me about Drunken Master 2 and Jackie Chan. And I, I went back to the video store and rented uh, Drunken Master 2 and Bullet in the Head. And I asked if he had any other John Woo movies. And he mistakenly gave me Return to a Better Tomorrow. Oh yeah, that's not Which, quite. <laughs> no, it's not quite the same thing. But luckily, Return to the Better Return to a Better Tomorrow is not a bad movie. It's just not a John Woo movie. It's a it's a Wong Jing schlock thing, and uh, I still liked it. And uh, but but so imagine like someone being curious about movies, being into action movies, seeing you know, uh, hard boiled, uh, Tai Chi Master, Full Contact, uh, Bullet in the Head, and Return to a Better Tomorrow. I've seen all those really close together, like within the span of like five days. <laughs> and it got to the point where I just wanted to see everything I could from from, from, from this video store. Like, I, And so uh, what me and my friend, what me and my friend Alan would do, I started hanging out with him. And uh, he, he he was 18, so he was living on his own at that point. He had this little like rundown little like apartment uh, in kind of a rural area of town. But I would go over to his house and we, he would literally... What he would do is he would go to this video store. He'd rent he'd rent four or five movies and then dub them onto his own tapes so he could have have them forever because there was no copy copy protection back then. Yeah. See, so he, he literally had, you know, a hundred Hong Kong films, uh, just in his house. So we go over there, we'd get really really stoned because again, small town, nothing to do, or we right. we get drunk, and we would just watch kung fu movies. We'd watch Hong Kong films. We'd watch like Stephen Chow and like. Uh, even like stuff like Eagles Shooting Heroes with 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 Tony with Tony Lung and uh, all just kinds of weird things like um, like Chinese Ghost Story and Zoo Warriors from the Magic Mountain and that mixed with like making a new friend and doing a lot of mind altering substances. Um, I just fell in love with this stuff and uh, and at the same time he was showing me things I had ever seen like A Clockwork Orange and Full Metal Jacket and Apocalypse Now. I, I was still relatively new in discovering like adult movies at that age. So, you know, I was only like 16. Yeah. Um, and so I really fell in love with movies through that. We're just we're basically just sitting around with this, with this a friend of mine and just, you know, doing drugs and <laughs> watching movies. It was kind of like being two, two bums in a Tarantino movie. Uh, so it's like we were Floyd and true romance, just sitting around watching TV, smoking bowls. Um, <laughs> uh, but it was fun, and I saw so many movies I fell in love with that way. And he, we would start, yeah, I would start dubbing tapes too. So I started building up my own collection of like Hong Kong movies. And uh, I even got the Tyson catalog and uh, started ordering my own tapes, even though they were really expensive. Yeah, they were because you know he didn't have everything I wanted to see. So I basically started, you know, saving up my saving up my money to buy things I wanted to see. And then uh, over time. Hong Kong movies started to kind of explode a little bit. The prices went down. You can start just finding them more in like the the mall, like the mass market versions they did. Uh, that weren't in like clamshells. They were just like the regular cardboard sleeves. You could find them for like twenty bucks in like Fye. Um, but so that's that's and I started just building up a collection of Hong Kong movies. And eventually, that little Chinese video store, of course, closed down uh, because a blockbuster literally opened up right next door to it. Oh jeez. Um, 
So it went out of business within probably three months of me discovering it. Mm. But by that time, um, we had dubbed, you know, probably 100, 200 movies from them. And, uh, and it, we, we even bought some of the stock when he was going out of business. Like we bought like actual like rental tapes he had too. Um, so Are you, I have a question then. What happened to Alan? Are you guys still friends? That is a, that is a, that's a story I've, no one's ever, I've never really talked about. Uh, he, uh, he, he, as far as I know, is doing well. We had a falling out a, a, a few years ago. Um, mm-hmm. Like within the past, like it was with within five years, time is weird now in COVID, but I believe it was five years ago because he never quite gave, like I was always a casual drug user. Like I, 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 I like to get stoned occasionally. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I still enjoy it to this day, but I could, I could also, you know, not do that and do my, and go to my work, you know, and, and like have regular relationships. My, my buddy Alan had problems and, uh, he he never could he he liked his drugs more than I did, mm-hmm. and he got into trouble with the law. He ended up uh, wrecking his marriage, and uh, because of his drug problems, he got into some really hardcore drugs, and, uh, and it got to the point where I told him if he didn't clean up his act, I couldn't be his friend anymore, and because it, it was bad, and he was hurting his wife who I had grown who I had grown pretty close with, and hurting his his daughter. And he didn't, so um, he, so we had this kind of falling out. And uh, I know he's still um, around. Um, we we still have some mutual friends, but uh, we don't talk anymore. And it's one of, actually actually one of the sad things about the situation is I miss the guy. I always have fond memories of being his friend. Um, I wish we could. I wish we were talking now, but uh, but sometimes people make choices that you can't abide by. And that's what happened there. He, he chose, he, he chose being that person that that sort of drug loving person more than he chose that over his friends and family. And uh, so, no, I mean, as far as I know, he, he eventually did clean himself up, but he, he doesn't want to talk to me anymore for that reason, because, because in his mind, um, I, because in his mind, we sort of, I sort of turned my back on him because I wasn't going to continue to support him. For that. And, um, but as far as I know, he actually did clean up the past couple of years. Like I saw occasionally talk to his daughter. His daughter is now tw- in her twenties, which is weird because I knew her when she was a little baby. Yeah. Um, it's hard. It's weird getting old, Larry. It's weird. It's very weird <laughs> getting old. Uh, but so uh, I know he's okay and he's, he's not, He's not dead in a ditch somewhere, but he just, I think that um, it, it hurt too much when, when, when we had that falling out for him too. And so he, he's out there, he's kicking um, as far as I know, but, but no, we're not in any, in each other's lives anymore, unfortunately. And, uh, mm-hmm. and that's, and that's, a, that's an, that's a regret I have, but I mean, at the time he was, he was in a bad place and I couldn't watch my friend kill himself. I just couldn't do it. Yeah, and, that's, that's uh, a tough situation to, to have to go through. Yeah, and I, I didn't mean to bring I didn't mean to bring the tone down, but uh, no, it's but, okay because you know uh, that's that's the thing about movies it, it it brings people together that you might not normally have, and that's just a part of your history. You know, what yeah. I mean that that probably makes the person you are today uh, having that friendship too, um, regardless of how it, how it ended. And uh, that's that's something that I think you'll you'll always remember fondly. 
And like I said, he's he clean as far as I know, he cleaned up his act. He's doing well now. And even if he hears this, I hope he knows that I, I love and appreciate everything he did for me. And he uh he you know showed me great movies. He got me into great music. He helped me learn about how to expand my consciousness. And uh I, I met girls I liked because of him and uh, had a lot of adventures because of him. And uh yeah. It was a it was a good time in my life that didn't end so well, but it was a time that I will always treasure. Sure. Uh, I I have a it's not a similar story uh, because I was not friends with this person for very long, but uh, it's very similar to how you got into Hong Kong movies because I was an early internet kid. Uh, my dad was really into computers, so we had Prodigy and AOL the dial up with the noise yeah and uh there was a group uh because i had watched uh the killer i'd seen hard-boiled so i was talking to other people about those movies and this guy was like i'm gonna send you tapes of hong kong movies which i was like oh cool he's gonna send me tapes you know and yeah he, he sent me uh drunken master 2 was one uh, police story three uh full contact um I want to say bullet in the head might have been one of them. Better tomorrow two definitely was. Um, but it was it was weird like meeting people online back in those days because it was like it was still kind of like niche and stuff, and you're just like, yeah, oh, you're just you're just gonna send me tapes, you know. But like I look back at now, I'm like, this is kind of weird. But like, it, it, it is, but you know, I was that guy for someone. Someone did similar things for me, like uh, yeah. because it was such a small community. It's like the kind of it's like the pro wrestling community, fandom community too. Like we would do tape trading there too to see matches from Japan and things like that. It was very similar, but it, back then, especially in the early, because I mean, I was an early internet kid too. Again, around ninety, <coughs> pardon me, around ninety five, ninety six, and. uh you know, for, for discovering those communities, those early websites about Hong Kong films, you know, it, it was like it was like you were in a secret club that no one knew how cool these things were, but us, you know. Yeah. And so it became like a thing where you just see you bonded over it immediately because you liked the same thing that no one else liked. And uh, so yeah, I got tapes in the mail too that way, and uh, and I, I would get these weird catalogs where you could order like obvious bootlegs. Like there was this company called video search of miami that basically made their made all their money selling bootlegs of hard to find movies um but they had they, they had this extensive catalog that you could get through like mail order and it wouldn't have pictures in this in this catalog it would just have the title and some like catchy description you know it'd be like if it was like the seventh curse it'd be like chow yun fat battle zombies with a bazooka you know <laughs> that, that would literally be the description you're like that sounds awesome. I want to see that. And you're like, you can for $25. You send it and they send you some third generation bootleg tape. Um, and so it sounds like uh, they're, it's better now with like Hong Kong Rescue, or at least you're getting a cheap DVD or Blu ray yeah. of the yeah. thing that is clearly bootlegging. Yeah. If, if, <laughs> if the guy actually sends, ever sends us out, that's a whole different can of worms. But, <laughs> But nowadays, I'm actually still part of a lot of Hong Kong community, Hong Kong film communities. But now we just kind of trade things peer to peer, you know, over like torrent. Like, oh, you, you've got like an uncut version of Ringo Lam School on Fire. I would love that. Uh, here, and so yeah, I ask him for it. He gives me a download link. I download it, or I give him, I burn my copy of like, 
you know, a, a Bola syndrome to or uh, untold story too, and give them that link, you know, because mm-hmm. these are movies that no one really cares that much about the rights for. So we're just trying to keep this stuff alive. You know, I'm not, pro, I'm not pro piracy for pirating like movies that are actively trying to get made or we're, we're struggling to get made. Like, I don't think you should be pirating like Scott Atkins, Scott Atkins movies or like, you know, spider-man or any of that kind of stuff but like movies that, that are going to die out movies that are, are at a risk for being undiscovered or lost i'm all for using piracy to keep those alive and that's just kind of become like the mail order of, of the 21st century mm-hmm. is the idea of peer-to-peer sharing like there's there's guys we know on twitter like um jack eason who who lives like he has like a google drive of every toy hark movie where you can just go in and you know, oh, like, oh, I've wanted to see Butterfly Murders forever. He's got it. Well, I mean, let me download that, you know, you know, that kind of thing. And so, sure. so piracy can be good. And piracy definitely keeps the memory of Hong Kong film alive because it's hard to get some of these movies on, uh, on home video, especially nowadays with like the communist crackdown and like the censorship and, and how there's just less physical media and way more government control over that stuff. It's getting... It's getting it's getting hard to find that stuff and and harder to keep track of it and uh, so this is now really where the pirates are their most valuable and it's really like I said it's just and it's just a modern day cyberspace updating of the idea of this guy is going to send you some videotapes you know yeah I think too it's it's a lot harder um, to find just even movies like this in general like Hong Kong or some other foreign movies or even some smaller ones because like for example there was a a record store in chicago called hard-boiled records and videos and this guy mark um i have his name here he's in austin texas now apparently but uh mark ferguson he was i forgot what country he was from but uh he he had this uh record and video store and he had a, a ton of hong kong dvds and i can go in there talk to him we'd have great conversations he'd say hey bro, watch this watch this watch this we could take the tape home the dvd home uh i would actually burn them because like i'd get like five or six and i don't have time to watch them all that weekend so i'm still giving him money he's getting yeah. money i'm still keeping whatever and it was like a physical place you can go mm-hmm. like even if it was like a that small video store in tupelo or the record store chicago there's a place to go there's really no place to go anymore so it's a lot harder to get a hold of some of these videos like how how does somebody now find out about uh like an older Jet Li film or even something as not as well known as like bury me high for example which is a movie that that guy recommended to me yeah great pool and that and bury me high is excellent (laughs) yeah that's Um, a movie that nobody really knows i had i know that guy told me about it but like how does anybody find out about this stuff anymore it's it's all it's all niche fandoms that's what's why not 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 to be all rah-rah action twitter and for those of you who don't know i can you know i can't imagine appearance if you don't know what action twitter is but just in case you don't Action Twitter is just kind of a collection of, of positive movie nerds who who really like action films. And one thing that that we often cheerlead is obscure movies and uh, obscure and obscure foreign films. And uh, that's why I think what we do there is so important uh, because it is so hard to know about these things now, unless you're really diving in. 
Like I said, I'm going to tell you about right now, Bury Me High is not one I saw back in the day. Bury Me High is one I discovered like four years ago when I was just looking for new Hong Kong movies to watch. Luckily, Hong Kong was so prolific that I still find gems in like movies with like well-known actors I've never seen years later you know yeah. like i still mm-hmm. find like 1993 simon yam movies all the time like that guy apparently never slept um uh, but yeah he's so, like he's he's like the third he's like simon yam is like the third highest filmography for hong kong actors yeah it's or something crazy, like that man. anthony wong's got the most he's got like 600 <laughs> movies yeah like because anthony wong just, just wanted to cast jay he looked at it as, as a job so yeah. he worked constantly he sure um, did and some of them are, some of them are, some of those, sometimes it shows, some of those movies are pretty dreadful, though he's never really bad in them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, your point is, how does anyone find that stuff now? It's, uh, it's hard, man, unless you, de- unless you dive into the fandom. Um, and so much of it is, is uh, so much of it for young movie fans now is all about what can I see on Netflix or what's on Hulu or what's on Prime Video. And they don't have any intellectual curiosity about other stuff and that's not me trying to be like kids these days you know shakes fist at the sky um but it's hard man because there's not really a good source to see these things and there probably never will be because of again because of the government crackdown in in, uh in hong kong like like for example that's that's kind of really dire um a few a few months ago a hd copy of of um hard boiled was put on youtube for free by by like the distributor and like oh that's great we can point people to say hey watch hard boiled greatest section we ever made but for some reason and i don't know what's exactly missing out of it but it's eight minutes shorter than the movie actually is so something's been cut out of it but i i haven't taken time to watch it to see what it is because i just know the runtime of that film i know that it's been chopped up in some way and i worry that that's going to be the future of own of of streaming Hong Kong if it's all going to be censored copies. So um, I don't know, man, that part of it's pretty dire to me. And uh, I don't know how kids find it nowadays. I mean, you have to really be interested in it because we know some guys who are like there, there, there's, there's, you know, there's, there's, um, and I'm going to, I'm going to butcher it, but it's, it's, uh, is it Aver stunts, A-V-A-R? Um, yeah. He's on Twitter. He's, he's a young kid who's just discovering this stuff and seems to be really into it. Like, I mean, he's in his early twenties. Uh, like we were being blown away by like Jet Li and Jackie Chan. I mean, there's, there's kids out there who are uh, into it, but I mean, it's not as big as it used to be. And, um, and that's why I, I, I kind of lament and often complain about superhero movies and things like that because that has become so dominating for the for the cultural conversation that that's all some people watch and it's and it's and I'm not saying if those things didn't exist that they would all suddenly want to watch you know Chow Yun Fat movies but uh, but I do wish there was more variety in the films people were watching. So uh, I have a question then. Uh, lately, the last. Jeez, the last year you've been talking a lot about Indian cinema, especially Indian action cinema. And I, I wonder how much of that is a reaction to when you were growing up discovering Hong Kong movies uh, to get the word out to these, these wonderful Indian films uh, and why that is so important for you to, to, uh, to, to talk about like RRR and, and stuff that's, that's out there. 
Yeah, it's it's one hundred percent that it's it's one hundred percent a reaction to that, and the and that and if like it's it, uh, I I dated a girl for a while uh, who was really into Asian films, but she was also really into Indian movies, and I was always like Indian movies. You mean like things with like the musical numbers and all that kind of stuff? And like I was being very I was being very snobbish about it, and she's like, and she was like, no, I think I think you'll like them. I think you'll like them, and. Uh, she showed me one by uh, S.S. Rajamouli, who was the guy who did RRR. It's called Magadira, um, which I believe stands for warrior in, uh, in, 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 in that language. Um, I'm not sure. Well, it's one of the challenging things about Indian films is that they don't have readily available translated titles because Indian distributors don't really care about white people. Uh, like you know, Hong Kong was always very, 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 very white person friendly. It always had subtitles, English titles. Well, they had a lot of uh, white people living there too, so that makes sense. <laughs> but but India just doesn't doesn't have that same desire to cater to, to cater to honkies. Sure, you know? <laughs> uh, and that is a, that is a hundred percent okay. It is. It is. If anyone's listening that's upset about that, which I doubt. <laughs> It's okay. Yeah, no, I mean, but but it does make it a challenge because it's hard because some of these movies have it's a, like whenever I whenever I whenever I come across an Indian movie I want to see or sounds interesting, I can never rely on myself to remember the title. I, I know that I need to write it down because it'll be it'll be an Indian word that I'm not familiar with and it, it won't stick with me really. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the challenges. So anyway, but I'm getting off topic. So she showed me this movie called Magadira. Which is about which is done by the guy who did RR, who's he's kind of like the spectacle director in 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 South Indian cinema now. Like he, he, I'm sure everyone who's listening to this has seen a trailer for RRR or or Bahubali. Uh, they're really cool, like operatic, like bombastic Indian films. But Magadira reminded me a lot of like the Anything Goes kind of kind of crazy cinema of Hong Kong, like where. Where if you if you don't like where the what the plot is one one minute five minutes later it'll change like it's an action movie it's a romance it's a comedy it reminded me of those kind of like like kind of seat of your pants Hong Kong films that were so co- common for like Wong Jing and like Stephen Chow where they would just kind of, there'd be all kinds of everything all at once and uh, so I watched that movie and I was like wow, that reminded me a lot of classic Hong Kong films. And I was like, what else is there to watch? And it was like, it was like falling down a whole new rabbit hole and trying to try to learn about stuff. But now, unlike with Hong Kong films, thankfully, there are a lot of Indian movies available on various streaming platforms between YouTube, Prime Video, Netflix, Hulu, random Indian streamers. Um, there's a lot of content so you can so i i watched a lot of indian films from like 2016 to 2017 and just really just kind of saw a lot of that same kind of kind of energy and and fun that hong kong films reminded me of now they're not all great and it's it's hard to navigate around because again they're not very english friendly i mean they almost always have subtitles but but you can't really judge them by their covers because every not not to not to not to to lump, lump them all together but almost all indian cover art like every every indian like film cover will make you think it's just a romance it could have a guy in the movie machine gunning bad guys for 70 minutes straight or like kung fu kicking someone but it'll still have a picture of him like on the cover smiling with a pretty girl with his arms around her and it'll look like look who's it'll it'll look like when while you were sleeping too you know 
Well, it also it, helps that like everybody is like really pretty. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous how 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 beautiful Indian movie stars can be. Yeah, uh, like Ram Sharan, he's one of the guys of RRR. He's literally like well, he's one of the most handsome men I've ever seen in my life. Like it's almost distracting how handsome he is. Uh, but uh, but yeah, that's a lot of it. Is just seeing being excited about this new foreign cinema that that's new to me. So even after even after being into it for a few years, like like I mentioned on another podcast I was on that I don't consider myself an Indian film expert. There's too much to know about Indian film to call myself an expert. I mean, there are some Indian film experts out there. Like there's Josh Hurtado who is on twitter is hate at hateful josh he's an indian film expert uh, i like to think of myself as an indian film enthusiast uh, i'm a hong kong film expert but i but i am uh, definitely an indian film enthusiast i enjoy them i i watch them when i as much as i can and i love like banging the drum and like cheerleading for them because they're cool and different and people are now seeing with rrr how how great they can be and that's really cool to find to finally see kind of a big crossover movie like that where where you know normal movie geeks are are maybe not I hate these were normal but 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 non Indian film geeks are taking a chance on this on this you know international cinema that before they may have turned their nose up at it for being too weird or too foreign for them but because our because RRR is such a such a straightforward like it's basically a superhero movie and. Uh, that's enough of a universal visual language that now guys who normally wouldn't watch that stuff, guys and girls who wouldn't normally watch that stuff are now seeing that, Hey, this is pretty cool. These, these dance numbers are actually pretty catchy and fun and vibrant mm -hmm. and God, these actors and actresses are pretty and they're charismatic and these are cool movies. And so I like, I like to, I like to do that, man. Cause I, I always think that um you never know man if you don't take chances on things um you may be missing out on your favorite your favorite film and i i love the opportunity that i may talk about some movie that someone's gonna gonna see and think wow that's my new favorite movie or wow that's my new favorite obsession to me because i want to be what my friend alan was for me to other people mm -hmm. like um he uh he took a chance just gave me those movies like i could have hated them. i could have lost his tape uh, you know he didn't know me he didn't know me from anyone but he was he was enthusiastic about it and he was like here i think these are cool watch these maybe you'll think they're cool too and uh throughout my life i've just been trying to recreate that from the other end where i'm like hey i think these movies are cool watch these maybe you'll like them too and that's that's all i'm doing on a big scale now like i mean the the twitter presence the, the film reviews the interviews i do these podcast appearances it's literally just me holding a a a a, 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 a proverbial vhs tape with a handwritten label saying hey i think this shit's cool uh won't you check it out i hope you like it and if you do tell me about it that's that's really all it is so if somebody who was listening that doesn't know where to find you to learn about all these great movies and to pass on the knowledge that like, your friend passed on to you, where would they go? Well, you can find me on Twitter at wheels critic. Uh, that's wheels like wheels on a car or wheels on a wheelchair or like X-Men where, when they call professor X, what do they call you wheels or, or, um, or the Degrassi character 
or the Degrassi character or the Burger King's or the Burger King kids mascot who was in a wheelchair. Really, it was depressing how often they use wheels for shorthand for a disabled person back in the 90s. So that's really that's more of a joke on that. But anyway, it's at wheels like wheels in a car and critic like for some reason, I'm a film critic. And uh, so wheels critic and you can find me on Twitter there. You can uh, I write for a lot of different websites, which I'm, which I'm sure you're going to mention in the intro. But Film Combat Syndicate is the one I consider my home. Uh, we talk about a lot of international cinema there, uh, a lot about Asian action films, a lot about South Indian films, uh, Japanese films, Korean films, Hong Kong films, I- independent action films. Uh, Film Combat Syndicate is a great little like like community for people who like action films that are not well known. So that, I consider that my home base. It's run by a great guy named Lee, named Lee Golden. Uh, it's a great website. I recommend it. I write for a lot of other places that are that are bigger, uh, but Film Combat is a great place to come and really get an essence of the stuff that I truly care about. But yeah, so you can find my writing there. You can find me on Twitter where I link to all my writing. Again, that's at, that's at Will's Critic. Um, so yeah, come, come come hang out with me, man. Talk movies with me. I could always use more followers. And uh, I'm always going to talk about stuff in like a positive, fun way. Awesome, Matt. Hey, thanks so much for doing the show. Uh, I really got to learn more about you and your, your story, and uh, I hope it uh, resonates with the listeners. Well, and I, I really appreciate it, Larry. I, 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 had, I had an enjoyable time. Thank you for wanting to hear my, wanting to hear, hmm. <laughs> pardon me, I'm, I'm dying over here. Thank you for wanting to hear my story. Uh, so, I mean, I appreciate it. I, I enjoyed it, and thank you. And uh, I hope I hope your listeners do like it. And I, I mean, I hope your show goes really well. And I can't wait to hear the other episodes because I know you're going to talk to a lot of people that I want to hear from. So keep going, and uh, I appreciate it. Thanks, thanks, Matt. Uh, thank appreciate you. it too. And uh, enjoy the rest of your day. <laughs>